Welcome to the Missionary Disciple Podcast by Catholic Christian Outreach. The aim of this podcast is to inspire, equip, and challenge you, our listener, to be an active and effective evangelist. I'm your host, Gerhard, a missionary here with CCO, and today Andre and Angel and myself sit down and have a conversation on verbal prayer, meditative prayer, and contemplative prayer. Prayer really is the foundation to being an effective missionary disciple. Before we get started, if you have any questions about evangelization, please email us at podcast at cco.ca and we'll answer them in a future episode. All right, let's dive in. Andre, Angel, welcome back to the podcast. Hi. Hi. Great to be back. Um, So last week we talked about prayer and we had a, I think for all of us, a wonderfully in-depth conversation on uh, praise and prayer and why praise is so important. We hadn't expected it to go that way when no. we when we sat down, but uh, that's where the spirit led yeah, us. And it. I think it definitely, I know for myself, I learned a few things and it, it brought fruit for me. Um, mm-hmm. And hopefully for all you listeners out there, uh, you, you picked up a few nuggets or two that you can use to deepen your relationship mm-hmm. with our Lord. So today we want to continue our conversation on prayer. And one of the things we, we started talking about last week was how do you pray? And we praise grew out of, well, I start my conversation, I start my prayer time with praise and helps me enter in, uh, enter into that relationship with our Lord. But unless otherwise, usually our prayer time builds on from that. The catechism talks about three other forms of prayer. And this is something that all of us have, have done. And we want, our hope is that we can uh, explore these and provide some practical takeaways on how someone can use all the different forms of prayer that the church offers together to help each individual have a close relationship and a deeper relationship with Christ. So the three kinds of prayer that uh, we'll go through today are verbal prayer, uh, meditative prayer, and contemplative prayer. So we'll start with uh, the verbal prayer. And I know, Andre, uh, in the the pre-show, you were chomping at the bit to talk about uh, verbal prayer. Take it away. Do you have uh, do you have a quote from the cat? Ready, set, go, Andre. Uh, You know, I have uh, this um, emotional attachment to verbal. Um, I like and you've got a microphone. Yes, it's like it's like it's like Christmas. Well, it's like I'm in heaven. And there are people listening to you. (laughs) But you know, uh, I loved your your introduction. But you know, at at the heart, not but but at the heart of prayer, it's not a task, but it is a relationship. And we again, we talked about how worship is really giving context to that relationship, meaning who I'm talking to is sovereign. I want to read something from the catechism that just fits perfectly into extending that conversation or our prayer from our from our worship into different dimensions of our prayer. It says it in paragraph 2639, praise embraces the other forms of prayer and carries them towards him. So what worship does, it just opens up the door our hearts, our minds, our, our awareness to all other dimensions of prayer. And so it's, it's a natural that from our last session that we would talk now about, well, verbal and meditative and contemplative prayer. The idea, again, if it is about, if our prayer is about a relationship, 
then we need to be speaking. Think about it. By the way, one difficulty I have with people trying to talk about and teach us about prayer, they often say to, to all of us, especially those who are just learning, they say, stop talking, be silent. We're talking too much in our prayer. You know, if we're going to have real prayer, we need to stop talking and just listen. To me, that is crippling people's prayer. You know, somehow by talking, you're less spiritual and less open. No, I would think it's the other way around. In early stages of our prayer life, we should be doing a lot of talking and a lot of listening to verbal language on the other side, meaning God speaking to us. I compare it to getting to know a young lady that you're trying to get to know the person that you're interested in. And you go to the restaurant and you guys sit down. How painful it is in those early first or two dates when there is silence. We just sit there and we have nothing to say. That relationship doesn't go very far because it's just awkward. That silence is awkward because we don't know each other. What should be happening early stages of a relationship is there should be a lot of dialogue, a lot of questions and a lot of discussion. So I get to know you and you get to know me. That That's essential in those early stages. Later on, as you become very familiar with that person, very close and intimate with that person, words aren't as necessary. But in those early stages, we need to be speaking our mind. And what the catechism says is in, in paragraph 27, one it says, vocal prayer is an essential element of the Christian life. And so I, I think it's appropriate that we talk about, and by the way, I've spent a lot of time here talking. So I guess I want to extend the opportunity for you to be verbal, especially my wife over there. Any thoughts on what I just said? Or Well, I'm very mature. I'm just going to sit and be silent yes. and contemplate your yes. wisdom. Is that okay? Yes. Okay. So I can continue. You can that? just keep going. Like I'm just okay. I'm soaking in it. No. Yeah. Um, so this verbal part of it is interesting reading it in the catechism because I anticipated this section to say, you know, just waxing and waning about the the beauty of rote prayers, but it was it was surprising because it says um, obviously liturgical prayers are are part of the church and what part of what Christ lived. But it says, um, the Lord also used his voice to express his personal prayer from exultant blessing of the Father to the agony, which speaks to what we talked about last week, like like through our voice, through the words that are our personal prayer, we we praise and we're honest. We talked about that honesty. Yeah. And I think um, 2702 was really interesting as well, following up from it. And it says, um, the need to involve the senses in interior prayer corresponds to a requirement of our human nature. We are body and spirit, and we experience the need to translate our feelings externally. We must pray with our whole being to give all power possible to our supplication. My interpretation of, of what that is saying is that there's in our DNA that we we need to do an expression of what we're going through interiorly. And that doesn't have to just be a psychological exercise. That is That is a life of prayer, which is this expressing it verbalizing it and verbalizing it doesn't mean you have to like be talking out loud in your prayer time in this conversational way with god 
but there is a conversation happening in your head. There's maybe a conversation coming off of your pen in your journal. There is a putting to words in conversation with God about the things that are happening in our interior life. This is rooted in the church. This is 2702, the catechism, that God has created us to be like this. And so there's this, this prayer that happens. And self-knowledge is super important it in is. growing in the spiritual life. Yeah. If you don't understand what's going on inside of you and why you reacted that way and why do I do that and, and what's going on and what's what's moving inside of me, this is actually can happen in prayer. And this is Ignatian discernment of spirits. This is understanding the interior motions. I am feeling elevated or lifted to things that are holy, or I'm feeling disturbed and something's biting at me and gnawing at me and keeping me away from God. And sometimes we just, we just wrestle with these things in our lives and we're kind of just almost victims to the, the, the things that are happening, either the, the joys or the, the terrible things. But prayer affords us that space to pull away in conversation with the Lord, verbalize what's happening inside. And not just to have a, a counseling session with God, but to <laughs> do it in a holy way, which means incorporating through praise, you know, that, that entering into the relationship with the Lord through scripture, getting actual truth through um, the meditation and contemplation to yeah. come. So it's more than just like sitting and thinking about my life. It's... In it's dialogue. talking about it's talking about it. I fully agree with you. It's not only kind of a spiritual act, it, uh, like they're saying, it's a part of the human condition to <clears throat> want to talk things out. Right. Because as you talk things out and as people reflect back or give you insight, you're able to make sense of whatever it might be that you're going through. Mm -hmm. One of the practices I do is I use my journal in my prayer all the time. Yeah. And so you know, I sit down with my cup of coffee. And the first thing I do is I write kind of what's on my mind or what's not on my mind, usually at that time of the morning. And how many times I've written down, oh, I don't feel like praying. Or I did not get much sleep last night. Or Lord, you know, I'm coming, not feeling all that close to you right now. or Whatever it might be that's on my mind, what's actually going on. I've kind of said what 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 I'm feeling verbally, you know, on paper. I verbally verbalize kind of. You're articulating it. Yeah, articulating it, saying what I'm feeling, and then then I enter into worship. But then after worship, I kind of get back to, or even in the midst of worship, I often, you know, I'll stop and say, Lord, do I really believe that that you're present with me right now? And then I might start a journaling, saying, you know. I spend half of the time, you know, struggling with this reality that you're with me. And so I'm just verbalizing, mm -hmm. writing down, expressing, being honest, transparent to God, how I'm feeling about it. I think if we approach our prayer more with this dialogue and that place of honesty and a place to kind of figure things out, I think we would be more attracted or more able to go to prayer because it's helpful. It enables me to, to move forward um, with greater confidence and clarity. It's not a task I have to do if I'm going to be a good Catholic. It, it's it's kind of like my getaway time. And so, and I think... Recognize it as a verbal prayer, as a kind of really central to your, 
your discussion with God will help that because you won't be so lost because everyone knows how they feel, but maybe they don't feel that freedom to actually tell God or discuss, not just tell them, but discuss how you feel, Mm -hmm. delve deeper into how you feel. Yeah. And I I think that's one thing ties back to a point that I think you made earlier, Andre, in that self-knowledge is so important in the spiritual life. Like we can't advance in the spiritual life or in life period if we're self-deluded or we don't understand ourselves. And I find oftentimes, unless you actually sit down, express in a tangible way what it is I'm going through or I'm feeling either to someone else or to a journal, oftentimes we don't actually really know what's going on. We, We get lost in the emotions and the feelings and we lose the objectivity of, wow, okay, the emotions may be raging, but actually, you know what? Objectively, things aren't that bad. Like it's th- things are actually pretty good. So then why am I reacting the way I am? The expressive prayer, the, the verbal prayer is in a way it builds off that foundation of worship that puts us in right relationship with God. It gives us perspective. And humility. And then it, it builds off of that and it helps us to set us up for the next stages of prayer. Yeah. Well, I, I think... You know, most of us, if we're going to be social beings, we take every opportunity we can to kind of unload or have somebody we could talk about an issue that we're going through. We want to tell people, talk to them about it. Well, we should continue doing that because we are social beings. But really, God should actually be aware of all this and not just aware, kind of, ah, ah, you know, throw it out at him and blame him or, you know, just mm-hmm. cry about it, but actually wrestle with him on it, you know. So that means we have to steep in fear that we might have or doubts we might have or uh, something we're excited about or something, a revelation that we're, we have or wh- whatever it might be that, that we're going through that we're wrestling with, God should be the one that should be central in that conversation, that, that wrestling. You know, it, it really is. And he's he's a guy that should be at the heart of our interior discoveries and um, and dialogues. Speaking of discovery, first lesson, discovery of the CCO Face Study series, the challenge is to imagine Jesus in particular as a real person, like as if he isn't, but that he's physically a person beside you and you're having a conversation with him. You know, for students, it's just a really simple way of entering into that conversational prayer that is real, where you're like, imagine that you're having your prayer time and in your prayer time that imagining Jesus is on the chair in your bedroom and you're talking to him like you would talk to a best friend. And what would that conversation be like? And what do you hear him saying back to you? This is prayer that a four-year-old can do. And a prayer that 24-year-olds are doing on campus and encountering, in, even in their newness, uh, a connection and an encounter with the Lord that is really beautiful. But this is also the, the sprouts of deep contemplative mystical union, which is this, this communion um, with the Lord. So I think we're really trying to emphasize here the, the conversation that happens in prayer. Mm-hmm. Like we've kind of We've set up, as if you're going out for coffee, like you've set up the coffee, you've had some small talk. But although that familiarity can be there with the Lord, he also is God. And the praise is so important to just root ourselves in who we're talking to. We can be honest with him, but also let's 
Uh, some reverence. Have some reverence. And then the conversation begins. And it begins in a variety of ways. It can begin with like where I'm at right now. It can begin with a reflection on the, the past day of like, okay, whoa, like I am, what was with that? Like, what was with that that happened, you know, um, with mm-hmm. someone in the family or I just feel down or I feel happy or this is a great day or I'm so grateful for things that have happened or maybe none of the above. And you're like, okay, I'm ready to start the conversation. So I don't know where to start. I'm going to start with the scriptures of the day. So yeah. that's pretty typical for me. I'm pretty blank slate. Like you yeah. actually wake up with thoughts, like yeah. high level questions. Like, Michelle, what should we do about that? I'm like, oh my gosh. Shh, 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 shh. Coffee first question. Coffee. Later. Yeah. Um, he's like you saying like, oh, I don't know how I wake up. Like, no, actually, you're crazy. Well, I'm. I, I wake up ready to be in conversation, but you know, I, I think this is a really important point that we're discussing right now. And I just want to go back to the catechism, uh, make the point that our prayer. Yes, we have. We are speaking to God, who is omnipresent and sovereign and mighty, and He's the one that created us all. But He is our Father. Mm-hmm. And it is a relationship where, so when we relate to our father, it's not meant to be this kind of elusive spirituality that is unattainable other than by a few um, mystics. No, prayer should be quite a natural <laughs> thing because if it is relationship, we, we, we should be, it's kind of in our DNA to know how to relate, to be in conversation. And so I, think that building blocks of how you relate to God are seen in how I relate to my wife or a friend. But this is, this is um, what the catechism says in 2702. It goes, we are body and spirit and we experience the need to translate our feelings externally. So, you know, it's just part of the human condition to express what's going on externally. So speak to him. I would even suggest that you, you know, in your corner, when you're praying, that you actually speak out loud. It doesn't have to be really loud, but I tend to spend time, say, Lord, actually open my lips and say it. I say, Lord, you know, why why do I feel so afraid of this situation? So I'm, I'm speaking it. I, I need myself, I might be a little different, but an external processor, but it's good to bring what is inside externally. But I think this leads us really quite naturally into the next level of prayer, which is meditation, because you know, meditation isn't just another form of prayer. To me, it, it's all one. It, it, it kind of lends itself. If you really, verbal prayer, okay, it's good, but meditation is what makes verbal prayer alive. And, and meditation enables us to kind of um, figure out what our verbal prayer is saying. Meditation is us stopping and figuring out what I just said. I'll actually start with the quote from 2705 in, in the Catechism. Meditation is above all a quest. The mind seeks to understand the why and how of the Christian life in order to adhere and respond to what the Lord is asking. So what we're finding in meditation is is trying to figure out why do I feel this way? What am I feeling? It's really stopping and reflecting on the verbal. Yeah, and I think the part, like sometimes the words that we use really intimidate. 
they have for me anyway, like the word meditation or to be have meditative prayer conjures up images of Eastern religions and like being super capable of focusing in a really quiet and intense way. Isn't that nirvana or something? That uh, kind of place? Okay. The, the goal of meditation is yeah. to get you to nirvana. But. Yeah. Yeah. It must be from my world religions 101, yeah. but um, in first year, but anyway, but the Christian expression of meditation really like, I like using synonyms because then it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah, I do that. It's pondering, reflecting, thinking, um, mulling. It's this, it's this sitting in and pouring over the ideas. And that's Christian meditation that's being described in the, the catechism. Um, it says meditation engages thought, imagination, emotion, desire. It's using Christian books, um, quotes from saints, especially the scripture, to provoke our thought and our prayer to get out of ourselves Mm -hmm. and to hear the Lord's guidance, the Holy Spirit's guidance. And so that's really key because people could have all the prayer that we just talked about and just actually be be doing a psychological yeah, still exercise, mm -hmm. right? But we have got to root it in the truth and we've got to have truth speak into it. And that's why I would say like, because I don't have big questions that I start the day with, trying to get a little bit of a recollection, but then like, I'm going to open the scriptures. I'm going to open the scriptures and see what the scriptures are for today or what feast day it is today and try to like, okay, Lord, what do you have for me today to reflect on? You have to take your time to do that. You can't just like read the scriptures and, and go on and then be like, okay, what do I do now in my prayer time? So you read it and you essentially do Lexio Divina, which is also fancy language, but it really is this you know, that, that you read it and then you meditate on it, which means you ponder it, you look at it, you examine it, you, oh, there's a funny key word, or that's a weird word. I've never seen this before. Or, oh my goodness, this is really speaking to me about something I'm going through right now. And you're like, hmm, there's a, there's a hmm going on. Like, hmm, this is interesting. Or, hmm, I'm not getting anything out of this. I'm going to read it again. Or I'm going to go to the next reading and read that one. And, and take my time through it. Gosh, I think you guys could relate that almost, it, it'd be pretty hard pressed to go through a day of prayer on the daily readings and not have something that speaks into your, what you're currently kind of wrestling with in your own life. I might, I might um, be going out on a limb here. Um, but my feeling, my, my experience, and maybe it's just my experience, but I think in regards to if this is all about relationship and if God is present and he's active in our prayer and the word of God is living and active, my conviction is that what God has to say in my time of prayer is relevant to what is going on in my life. And so what, what I often find is that you know, when I wake up in the morning and I start my prayer with these profound thoughts, or sometimes they're not all that profound, um, what I write down in my journal or what comes to mind in my worship, for example, I'll give you an example. It happened a couple of days ago, but it's pretty common. This isn't something that happens, you know, once, you know, in a few, every few months, but it, I would say it happens more times than not. 
but uh, just one particular experience is that um, I started worshiping, and what really stood out for me was the fact that I was a son of the Father. You know, I've reflected on that many times, but it was almost like it was coming to my mind. And so I, I wrote on it, and I said, you know, okay, I understand intellectually, but sometimes I don't feel that much of like I'm a son. And I just went on and on, kind of expressing, verbalizing my understanding or, you know, the why or the what does that really mean. And But then I opened up the scripture. And not to my surprise, but to what seems to be right, I was led to... The, the idea in the Gospels about the Spirit enables us to say, Abba, Father. And that we are sons. And that's who we are. But what happened there is that what I was going through and what I was wrestling, I wasn't just kind of, oh, I'm thinking of being a son. I don't feel like I'm a son. Then move on. I actually spent time before God in my prayer reflecting on this. So he was there in that wrestling and he was bringing it to mind. But then he brought me to, to the gospel and it was almost like he was just uh, kind of returning and, and confirming that in words, the scriptures, um, Andre, you are my son. So what, what happened was my meditation, my my reflection are kind of going to that sound place of where I was, that honest place, that the Lord was with me and the scripture became that confirmation back and he was just reaffirming the reality mm -hmm. that he loved me and that I'm a son. And so I, I think exactly what you're saying, Anushad, is when we do meditation on the scriptures or even just meditation on what we're going through, but the scriptures are, I, would you say, Anushad, that the scriptures are essential to that meditation so that the Lord can bring clarity to it? I think they are. I think there are, you know, maybe pockets of time where you're maybe doing a particular book, like maybe you're reading, doing a consecration to Mary, or you're doing mm -hmm. um, imitation of Christ or something. But I think if it's consistently you're finding the next spiritual book to fill it in and you're not rooting yourself in scripture, I've seen in my own life that that, it's, it's like we're not honoring the primacy of scripture the value of the word of God. And I, I think can't be just like, I'm so familiar with it. I'm going to like move on to something more interesting. I think that's a dangerous place to be. So it's something I've cautioned myself with also in that same vein um, is to take actually my Bible and not use my app. And uh, the Lord convicted me of that because by using the scripture, I'm actually engaging with the word of God. And there is context before there's context after there are, leaders note like um commentary yeah. notes there are things in there that you wouldn't get just by going through the app and like okay sure did it did it did it um you can't you know underline or circle keywords or you can't look at it and go like oh yeah this is the scripture because i write all over my bible so like when i open up my bible it it actually opens it up to a, a fuller you know level of things which is often what happens with like the readings of the day is maybe it doesn't speak to what I'm going through right now, but the reading will will awaken in me a time in my life when this scripture, yeah. you know, was um, instrumental. And then it's like, oh, yeah, like I remember. And of course, this is what 
it's a recurring theme in the scripture. Like the Lord admonishes the people to remember, write it on your hearts. Do not forget what the Lord has, you know, what the Lord has done essentially. And so these are beautiful opportunities. I find like it's an invitation to go remember that thing when this happened in this scripture. And it's, and just to enter in with that Thanksgiving and gratitude for how the Lord, you know, illuminated the scripture in your life. And, and he often unlayers another, like an onion, where there's another meaning to it that that's that's relevant um, or or further exposed, or sometimes it's just a pure remembrance of it. Yeah, it's all it's a, it's like a little surprise package, but you don't want to treat it like a fortune cookie either. But that there's like what what do you have for me today, Lord? Like what's waiting yeah. in the scripture? And the scripture mm-hmm. is not a fortune cookie. The scripture is living and active. It's it is true. The, it is the inspired word of God that has to have the dignity and power that it that it is. Yeah. So to just gloss over it or be um. too familiar with it is to not, you know, reverence it. Thanks for enjoying our show. I hope that this podcast is helping you deepen your relationship with Christ and better equip you to bring others to Christ. If you have found that this podcast has benefited you, please rate and review us on your podcast app of choice. This will help us to reach new audiences and to lead others to Christ. For those of you looking to accelerate your evangelical efforts, use the discount code podcast at store.cco.ca to receive 10% off your next purchase. That's podcast in all caps. You'll find the code as well as a link to the store in the show notes. Now back to the show. Yeah, the, I, I would think the truth of the scripture, yeah, it, it comes to us, it, like it doesn't, it didn't, once it was written and that's the fullness of it, it's living and active. So it actually speaks to people in their their situation, for example, I might read a passage in scripture and um, ten years ago, and it really meant this to me. But I read it today in my present reality, and it's like a brand new word. It's the same words, but but God is revealing something more profound or different. Uh, so it is in Hebrews chapter four. It talks about. The word of God is living and active, meaning it's constantly renewed and and just tra- and and it comes to us as a relevant word for right now. But it enables meditation to actually happen. I, I think you know the scriptures help the process of meditation to stop and see. A lot of people say, "Okay, what am I going to do for?" Say, if people were praying for twenty minutes, I I, I really think. And this might be a, a little bit challenging for our here. I think we should all kind of um, desire to reach someday one hour with God every day. But maybe we can just handle 10, 15 minutes. But if you approach it with worship and then in some time uh, verbal, where I'm at and talking to God and wrestling through it, and then spending some time in meditation, what does this mean? How am I going to... How do we, I resolve this or what does this really mean as we open up the, the scriptures, the gospels, especially the face of Christ is, is revealed in the gospels. And we sit there and we meditate. We don't just read the scripture, but we meditate and we figure out what it's saying to us. That, that 10 minutes of prayer that we we're hoping to you know, do every morning turns into 20 minutes very easily, very easily. To me, at the heart of meditation is what, again, the, the catechism says. Meditation helps us pass through 
our situation to reality, meaning it helps us move through this struggle or this asking as we read and meditate on the scripture or meditate on our situation, and we come and recognize the reality of it. Mm-hmm. So we, we, okay, you do love me, or okay, maybe I do have this vice in my life that is causing an angst in my relationships, or you know, maybe, maybe I'm not trusting you enough to make this decision. So now we're in the realm of reality. The quote that I keep pulling out from the catechism says, meditation engages thought, imagination, emotion, and desire. This mobilization of faculties is necessary in order to deepen our convictions of faith, prompt the conversion of our heart, and strengthen our will to follow Christ. So this sort of pondering is going to either make us understand the Lord more, have greater conviction of faith, or it's going to expose something that needs to change in my life, a greater conversion of my heart, a greater sanctification. I don't mean conversion to Christ. I mean a conversion of my the virtue to yeah yeah the, vices and virtues yeah. right like it's a, it's a conversion of who i am or what was the third one sorry it to strengthen our will to follow christ so it's it gives us courage to do the thing that the lord is inviting us to do so those should be fruits of the meditation that engages all of these faculties the pondering the reflecting on ourselves the reflecting on the lord the hearing the truths should stir these things up mm-hmm. faith courage and conversion. Yeah. And one thing I've noticed both of you saying is meditation is very much a process. It's not just, oh, I crack on the Bible. Hey, there it is. Like my, the answer is right here. It might happen probably rarely or not as often as we'd all like for the answer to flash at us in neon lights. Meditation is really, you need to chew on it. When you're done your verbal prayer, it's okay. I'm going to turn to scripture now. When, when you start using the daily readings, for example, okay, I'm going to read the, I'm going to read today's gospel and you start reading it, you read it once. Even if something jumps out at you, you need to chew on it. You, you need to be, okay, why? Like I've expressed the current situation. I've expressed everything that's going on. Here's a word. Why is it speaking to me? Why? Like, what is it about it? And we don't get to those fruits unless we chew, unless we go through the journey, unless we go do, unless we do the work, we're not going to get anything out of it. And then that those fruits are necessary for our spiritual growth. It's part of the spiritual battle, which we'll talk on next week, but we can't get there unless we're willing to go into the trenches and fight. Well, I I think let's just go to the coffee shop again with our friend Mm -hmm. and we're going through a real difficult time. And we, we, we spend one hour, two hours in a coffee shop talking about this issue, but that wrestling with it. And, you know, you, you go around circles. I don't know if you've ever been in those conversations, you know, uh, with a friend talking about stuff, you know, whatever the situation might be. And we just just talk around it over and over again. And it's just, but we're, what we're doing, that's necessary. And I think two things come out of that, that, um, that dialogue, that, that discussion with a friend, two things happen. I think we gain clarity of the situation. Would you, you know, we gain clarity. But the second, the relationship with the person is strengthened, isn't it? The discussion, the wrestling um, is really important because one, we bring clarity and two, the relationship is strengthened. That's, Which, that's, that's good. I'm going to interrupt you and yeah. extend it. Now, imagine that that conversation going poorly, that 
every time you go for coffee, you're talking about the same situation. They're never listening to your advice. And Saturday after Saturday after Saturday. And how often do we treat the Lord like that? Like we're just ragging on him in our prayer times and we're actually not engaging with the scripture. Like, uh, you know, like people who would go like, yeah, but, or well, be that as it may. And it's like, you're not listening to me. You're not listening to hope. You're not listening to truth. You're not listening to what needs to be converted in your life. You're just lost in the weeds and you're not looking for the path out. And that's what the meditation that we're talking about needs to happen. And there, there needs to be that place where the marinating, the ruminating, the reflecting, the, the wrestling with it. But then also like not being so anxious to get the answer. Like I, I did, okay, I, I got the thing for today's part time. It's, okay. it's about like, I might need to just chill and like think about it, glance over it. Like, I think what you're saying is that uh, you know, you don't want to be in that perpetual conversation with the same thing over and over and over again with a friend. You, you're hoping and you celebrate in the fact that they, the resolve to activate what, you know, what was discussed with the the revelation that they had, and they they would come next week and say, you know what, that worked. So what you're really saying is that our our meditation and you read it, Angel, it should actually be something that begins to have an impact on you know, my daily life. Meaning if, if the Lord is saying, do not be afraid, then maybe I need to take a step and not be afraid. Um, we do this with, we, we challenge students to become, to do missions. Um, and their, their response is fear. I can't do that. I can't raise that money or, you know, I, I, I wouldn't know what to say. So their first response is to fear. And we always say, go pray about it. Go talk to God about it. We would, it, it would be wonderful if these young people, they, they say, you know, the Lord spoke to me very clearly. Do not be afraid. I'll provide. And if they come to us and they say, yeah, I'll do it. I'm afraid, but I'll do it. We would celebrate that. But if they say, yeah, the Lord told me not to be afraid, but I'm still not going to do it because I'm afraid. We'd be going, okay, we have some more work to be done. It's right. deeper than just a little. There's, a, there's an action. There's a belief that has to change and there's an action that has to engage. So I guess like in your prayer time of like, besides looking for the, what's the insights or what am I hearing from the Lord? It's it be action. like, what, and what is my what is the Lord inviting me to do? What is the Lord inviting me to do? And it might be like, I need you to believe this way. I need you to act this way. I need you to think this way. I'm inviting mm -hmm. you into something beyond it. And so, yeah, if you have those conversations with a friend or a student, be like, don't be afraid. And they're like, yeah, you're right. You get together with them and they tell you the same story and you have to motivate them with another angle of not to be afraid. But actually, if they just stepped out and started doing the things, they would break through the fear barrier, but they just want to keep talking about how afraid they are, right? Um, we don't have students like that in CCO. No, actually, they're, perfect, they're super, yeah. they're actually perfect. Actually, all our listeners are above that too. They, it's they, other people, those people like, yeah. like the other people, the, the, those people. Yeah. We're talking about them. Yeah. So we want to be people that are in prayer, in meditation, be, with a, a readiness to hear and respond. So James, um, gosh, chapter one. Uh, you know, exhorts us to not just be hearers of the word, to be, but to be doers of the word. Mm -hmm. 
So what I'm experiencing in my prayer time is something that I should be engaging with in life. So in a way, meditation, meditative prayer is a dangerous prayer because in medita- meditative prayer, uh, the Lord is revealing uh, the truth. How about transformative? Yeah, but, uh, but what I mean is that— You just like being dangerous. Yeah, but, but meditative prayer, uh, the point I'm trying to make here, Anisha, is that meditative prayer moves us to live more virtuous, more obedient, uh, more closely to God and the world around me. So it's really calling for action. It's not calling to become more spiritual and more insightful. It's not a Bible study per se. It's it's a it's a calling to action, which we should finish off uh, talking a little bit about contemplation. Which you know, often people when I say you know contemplative prayer, right away they're thinking uh, you know Saint Catherine of Siena or John of the Cross or mystics. And, and by the way, they do have a higher level of contemplation, of meditation and verbal. But I think that, and I would like us to finish this conversation talking about how contemplation is ac- actually accessible to every conversation that we have. And let me just explain. Conversation? Every conversation we'd have in a coffee shop. Let's just go oh, back okay. to that. Con- so the verbal is, hey, I- I'm really finding it hard discerning if I should take this job or not. And you spend the next two hours discussing, meditating on, you know, should you take this job? And what becomes really clear at the end of the conversation is both of you, uh, it's confirmed that the reason you're taking this job is because you're afraid that you might not be able to do the job. And that word comes up you both realize it and you stop and you can't even say anything because you're just, you're recognizing the truth has been revealed and you know, you've been exposed in a a very positive way or maybe a difficult way, but you're exposed. So you're, you're just contemplating. You have no words. It's just silence. Um, And you go, Oh, you're right. And you stop and allow that truth to actually seep in and be part of your your psyche and your very body. That's the way I see contemplation. It's kind of like we, we, we've been confronted with truth, beautiful truths about God and, and, and truths about ourselves. I think meditation just lends itself, you know, as we, dis- as we meditate on a truth, We'll come to a place where truth will just stop us in our tracks. I know, Angel, you have a lot to say about contemplation because you live in the state of contemplation at all <laughs> yeah, times. Totally. Oh, let me come down. I'm levitating right now. Um, no, it's a really good analogy. I think that's great. And I think, yeah, I think contem- contemplative prayer or the, the capacity for contemplation, which is a grace, is not something that we must stir up, which is really important to note. Like, like that realization and that the ding 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 it's you know it's it's this particular fear that you're soaking in you're like oh my gosh i just got i just got told you know like now i know um that's a grace that's a grace moment that didn't come about just through hashing it out something happened so this can happen to anybody at any stage in their in their life of faith it's going to happen 
differently for Teresa of Avila and, and John of the Cross because of their their particular sanctity. growth, their sanctity. But for all of us, those those are like the glimmers of what that those graces of the Holy Spirit in, in infusing in us understanding that we wouldn't have had just on our own. So how can we find that contemplation or how can we, you know, be open to that? I think is is an openness to the Lord. I think is allowing some silence. So back to the coffee shop, like if you're just constantly talking and there's no pause, there's no pause. Like there's no like looking out the window, even being together and kind of like thinking about the things, like even just for five seconds or 30 seconds. Okay. I, I agree with you, the listener and even myself, I say, okay, when do I know to contemplate? But as you suggested, it's not something that I, yeah, I'm going to enter into a state of contemplation. The way I think it would be realized or practiced in, in your prayer is, and it's a really important point to stop and allow what has just been revealed to you, just allow it to seep in. Well, the example I used about coming to terms with the fact that I am a son. I mean, there's depths of that realization. But I, I came to a, a new place of as I meditated, and, and there it was, I saw myself as a son and everything that comes with that. I mean, I could continue to say, oh, thank you. This has been awesome. And, and I, I do that. That's important. But really, that truth is so profound that, and it doesn't have to be all that profound, but I've come to a truth. It's really good and a practice of mine is to stop right there and just allow that to seep in deeper. So that's when I stop and I just kind of stop trying to figure it out and just receive it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's a there's a feeling that when you're contemplating, again, like kind of like the nirvana thing, that you're somehow just really pulled out of yourself. You're in some sort of a uh, a swoon and yeah. you're like or that you're like mm, there's this silence levitating uh, i am like levitating right yeah okay i'm coming down but there's this silence and it's like you just went like into a vacuum of profundity and i don't think that's christian silence catholic silence like the silence of that is we it's called a gaze or it's called a listening there's a, there's an activity to the silence, that would be in your case with the with the the sonship word. It, what's happening inside of you is not like mm, mm. it's wow, Exa wow. That's it's wow. It's like yeah. Oh, oh that's I... beautiful. I see it. I ah, oh. you know. There's a. It's like looking at a sunset and you're taking it in. Like, do you have to have a bunch of words? But your head isn't blank. You're looking mm. at this and you're like, isn't this? gorgeous you, you know what uh, I, I love what you just said in 2717 it's a little bit this is a little bit esoteric also this but try to understand it in i'm not life. that smart no but i'm this statement is i'm not saying you are but i'm saying this statement this we st talked about this statement i will try to understand yeah, the statement but in in simple terms okay it okay. says contemplative prayer is silence the symbol of the world to come what the heck does I don't that, know mean? What that means? Or silent love. Words in this kind of prayer are not speeches; they are like kindling the feeds, the seeds 
of the fire of love. Basically, what you're doing is just allowing the seed, the, the revelation that you've had, to just be planted. It's like, wow, it's I can't say anything. I can't add on this. I'm just going to allow it to seep in. And, and to me, that's that's what, what I guess it is. it's like it's receiving love. like an amazing gift or an amazing gesture of being rescued or, um, you know, like and how how can people say, like, I have no words to express my thanks. Yeah. Right. So there's just this there's tears in your eyes. There's emotion. There's, you know, holding hands yeah. or a hug. And it's like I can't even tell you all of the, the the fireworks that are going off in my heart right now of gratitude, love, wonder, awe but I can't put words to it. So, and that's such a gift. It's such a gift. I, I, I just want one other thought on that is contemplation is really God speaking or healing or comforting my very soul beyond my imagination, even my sentiments. He just, he's going right to the core of my being and speaking there. There's a surgery. Yeah, there's a surgery. And some that's why, you know, by me imagining it or talking about it or, or you know, kind of entering into it, I'm I'm not allowing him to, to really go to to the heart and to speak to me where I can't even hear. Um, I know that sounds a little bit out there, but but just practice it. I really encourage people to practice that. So practice just talking to God about where you're at, journaling, speaking, you know, doing doing the things. You know, don't try to be spiritual. Try to be honest, and um, and then as you meditate on what you're writing and talking, there's gonna be things that'll come out. Use a scripture to help you meditate on, bring clarity to it. See what God might be having to say about it, and then when you find yourself caught up in, oh, a realization, oh, I am a sinner, or I can do this. Just stop and allow it to allow the Holy Spirit to do that internal kind of surgery or that blessing, and um, and you know now you've just been verbal, you've been meditative, and you've practiced contemplation, mm -hmm. and now you're a perfect saint. And you can really only allow room for contemplation. You can't practice it really. Like you can, you can't. Like depending on how you define the words, yeah. but it's it's allowing room, and then as the spirit wishes yeah. to, to bless or expose or surgery or, yeah. or whatever, like, and then it's, it, it, it's just gift. Would you say, yeah. I'll ask you this question. Would you think we'd have contemplation every prayer time? Probably not. Huh? No, I don't think so. But I think that's part of the growth in the spiritual life. And then the, the part of the growth in the spiritual life is actually where there are, there are no consolations in your meditation. There are no insights. It's, it's dry as toast, which is all Another. part. It's actually a gift. That means you're you have progressed in the spiritual life enough to be worthy of this testing. The principles still are, uh, you know, the verbal, the meditation, and the contemplation are still there. Those principles still. Yeah, you, you still know, do your prayer time the same yeah, way. Yeah, but but <laughs> you are approaching it different. You're just finding yourself in a different season. But it, it, you know, uh, mm -hmm. why how you're able to pray through those really dark times is that you're just sticking to the same principles. Wax on, wax off. Yeah, it's it's yeah. Karate Kid. Like, you've just got to keep doing the thing, and the Lord is, the sun yeah. is shining, even though the clouds are there. So I know yeah. it's a cliche, but it's yeah. really true. Garrett, I think you've tried to interrupt us and jump in at least 20 times. I'm going to just, like, stop talking. I can't do that. 
I guess one last point before we uh, before we wrap. One thing that struck me, particularly about contemplation, as we were talking, is going back to the coffee shop or any good relationship. Eventually, you just hit a point where you're just comfortable being with the other person. In marriage, I know I see that for myself most clearly. Is there's times at the beginning of our marriage, you've been through the dating, you've been engagement, but like there's a lot to talk about, big dreams and what do we want to do and all that. But eventually you just hit to a, you get to a point where you're just comfortable with, beside the other person. You don't need to be saying anything. You just delight in the other person and where they're at. And going back to the coffee shop analogy, when we're with a friend who we're at the level of the relationship where we can wrestle through something big and heavy, like, do I take this job or do I not take this job? You know, let's spend two hours over coffee hashing it out. You know, we'll hit that point where it's like, wow, okay, we've hit some actionable conclusion that will actually lead to a change in my life, either turning the job down, accepting the job, whatever. After that, I think it's natural that all of us will just kind of sit there sit there, and whether we're looking at the other person or not, just be like, thank you. Thank you for being you. Thank you for being there with me for like just Mm -hmm. being present with the person. And again, going back to contemplation, being a grace, that's something we might get, if we haven't done the work, but likely we won't get until we invest in the relationship. And even in marriage, like you don't hit those moments of silence where it's just like, wow, this like, I feel the love I'm giving the love, but nothing's being said. Um, and I, in 30 years of prayer, trying to pray every day for one hour, unfortunately I haven't arrived to that spot. I wish I was just in, in that uh, level of maturity where I can just sit and enjoy I mean, I have a certain level of that, but in general, so don't, I guess what I'm saying to people, don't feel that, you know, uh, well, I've been praying for this much time and, and I should be just comfortable with sitting in the presence of God. Some people actually naturally do that really mm-hmm. quickly. Yeah. Um, but I, I, you know, I've been praying for, well, actually longer than that, 35 years on a pretty consistent basis for a, a good amount of time. I wish I could just sit for an hour and just enjoy, but most, I guess I have more stuff to deal with. And um, I think we all do. Yeah. Thanks for joining us today for our conversation on verbal, meditative, and contemplative prayer. This is the second part of a three-part series on prayer, and next week we'll be talking about the battle of prayer. If you have anything you'd like to contribute to our conversation, about the battle of prayer and the struggle to maintaining a healthy prayer life, please email us at podcast at cco.ca. Keep an eye out on our blog for a post that will go into more depth on verbal, meditative, and contemplative prayer. If you have any questions, comments, queries, quandaries, conundrums, or otherwise, please email us at podcast at cco.ca. Once again, I'm your host, Gerhard, and you're listening to the Missionary Disciple Podcast by Catholic Christian Outreach. Until next time, God bless.